now, you know how you said that it was you were telling me to say something positive about the, about the demons? Yep. Right, our next very special guest um, tweeted this on Friday night after their magnificent performance. D's in pretty good nick. Balanced, organised, tough. Dogs a bit to do. Need more from more. Couple who pick and choose. Still a threat, however. We'll want to address it via personnel or attitude. Some going on gaps. But I like that. D's are in pretty good nick. I did read that. So that is why we've got him on. G'day, Jace. Hi, Jack. How are you? Oh, very excited, mate. Very excited. I read that tweet and I just, you know, I, I believe now that the Demons might do something very special this year. Well, they're doing everything they need to be doing at the mid-season point. And, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to be anything but impressed um, by the way they're going about it. I mean, of course, there are teams who you know, go 10-1 and one or, you know, whatever they are. Um, but I just think the manner in which they've gone about it um, has been incredibly impressive. And, um, and, and, and more so, I think, some of the off-field signals that I would look for, I just think you know, they, I, I mean I watched Stephen May and um, Petrarca be interviewed after the game the other night and they're just very humble uh, and, you know, very gracious they're always acknowledging the, the greater good, the collective effort so I just love their selflessness and their humbleness off the field and I think it's a you know, reflection of how they're playing on the field yeah, no, it certainly is, certainly is, and you're right, they, it's, it's one in all of them, and they don't mind um, taking the backward step for the betterment of the team, which is, you know, is, is what you're saying, and um, it's, it's very exciting. Um, do you think they're the best team in it at the minute? I mean, I know they're 10 and 1, but, you know, Brisbane and Geelong and all these, Richmond, you know, um, are still playing really good footy. Do you, do you think the D's can go all the way? Well, there are probably two questions. I think uh, they're, they're absolutely the best team in it right now. Um, you know, not only by way of um, position on the ladder, but, you know, as, I, as you sort of alluded to, I just think they're incredibly organised. They've got a very, you know, team-first attitude. Um, and they're synchronising. And, and, you know, that's a magic that it's bloody hard to find it. And sometimes when you find it, you're not quite sure where you found it from. Um but they're on the wave at the moment and they're riding it and good luck to them. Uh, they are incredibly balanced. They've got multiple players who can play in multiple positions and they've got A-graders, like legitimate A-graders who um, can can win the game if it needs to be won through individual brilliance. Um, and they're not playing like that, but there are players who can just own the moment and get the job done. Um, and they're incredibly tough. Like, they take their turn... And on any given game this year, you know, they have the most players who win the most positions. And that's, you know, that's a formula that's pretty important at any level of footy. Um, um, so I, I just I just think they've got the, the mix right at the moment. And, you know, outside of injuries, which is an uncontrollable in some respects, um, attitude seems to be their greatest opponent at this point in time. I think Brisbane are the big challenges for me at this point. I think they've built their season... Um, similarly, and I know that they, you know, have built over the last two or three years, and they were terrific for the majority of last year. They seem to have just found another um, ingredient this year, where they've gone away from some of that individual brilliance that we've seen last year to 
a similar formula to what Melbourne's got at the moment. So I think if you know, I think if the finals were a couple of weeks ago, you know, be the two favourite, be the two that I'd be picking to play off. But you know, Geelong's Geelong, and the Tigers are the Tigers. So I think they're in the shadows. But Brisbane and Melbourne absolutely would be the two standouts for me at this point. Jason, it's uh, was the housemate here. Rum, you've had a lot to do with the AFL and, and and football over your journey, especially with the reconciliation and the Dreamtime. What what does that mean to you? The, the game, the Dreamtime game, mean to you personally? Yeah, I was. Um, look, it means a lot. I think sort of it's interesting because you know I was sort of in the centre of it there for a long time. To the you know building the campaign and building advocacy around what sort of Australian world football means to the Australian community and obviously Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have been fundamental to that in the last 25 years that's been rightfully celebrated pre that we had a, you know the game had a pretty dark history to be blunt um, you know with its relationship with Aboriginal people um, but, the, but the game now um, you know 10 or 12 percent of our list of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander players it's where mainstream Australians see Aboriginal excellence on any given weekend when they switch on the TV or go to a game, they can see an Aboriginal player or players, you know, um, being fundamental contributors to the success of their team. Um, so I think that that within itself has been, you know, a really significant moment for reconciliation. Um, and then I think the game more broadly or the round more broadly um, is really shining a spotlight on... Yeah, indigenous excellence, and obviously the the round now has been rightfully named after Sir David Nichols, who's a great uncle of mine. Um, but yeah, his story is quite remarkable. When you think there have been three and a half thousand men who played one or more VFL AFL games, but only one has ever been um, the governor of a state, and only one has ever been knighted. You know, and that was Uncle Doug. It's pretty remarkable. So I think they're the untold stories that this round gives the broader community the chance to engage in and be curious about and learn from. And, um, you know, the people I talk to believe, you know, we're a lot richer as a society as a result of that. And just part of the final point is the community footy now celebrate. And I just think that's incredible. I think it's trickled down into community footy and... Only a month ago, I went down to watch my daughter play <coughs> at Red Hill in the morning. It's a competition and, um, at netball. And there was a whole, you know, welcome to country ceremony from the Bunurong. There was a smoking ceremony. Both the reserves and the senior teams, football and netball, um, performed the Guard of Honour before the game. So it was a 10 or 15 minute ceremony and the whole crowd was absolutely engaged and you know at a local level I think that's just unbelievable the transformation that that's you know that the indigenous round has meant for local sport over the last 15 years so I agree with you there Jason I've heard you speak a few times and would it be fair to say your message now is, is a lot about celebration rather than sort of where it all began or is, would that be right? Um, we can't, well, it is, right? You've got to, I mean, we can't look back, we can't live in the past, but the past lives in us today as a nation. Um, um, you know, and I, 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 my personal disposition is to focus on what is strong, not what is wrong. Um, but you can't ignore those things because there's still realities in our broader community and, you know, discrimination is still real. Our people still die younger than, than the mainstream community. 
um, an Aboriginal boy born, born today is still more likely to go to prison than finish high school. So there's still statistics that are real in our communities. Um, but equally, we're contributors and achievers to a better and broader and brighter Australian future. Um, and I think people are inspired by positivity and a pathway forward. But that doesn't. But we need to find the balance around, you know, some of those other difficult things that we've got to keep contending with. So, uh, and that's where sport plays a very unique role, of course, because it gives it a chance to point to those stories, but not dwell on them. Because sports a forward focused, forward focused industry. It has to be given it's you know performance based. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, on a lot of notes, I did a bit of research, obviously for the interview. Uh, 205 goals I saw, but you're saying 211 in a season for yourself down at Caramac on you. <laughs> what? Is that yeah, true? And, and, and those six goals meant a lot to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's bloody hard work kicking 200 goals, and when people try to take six off you, <laughs> I'm trying to correct the record books. But um, well, That is huge. That is a huge that's year a decent of year. That's a decent year. Yeah, it's, yeah well... well it's, Look, it was the year after St Kilda sacked me for the first time and um, like I went back home at the age of 20 and I'd already been playing senior footy for five years and um, I was always passionate about coaching and leading and a lot of the major clubs in the district all laughed at me because I was interested in being an assistant coach and I just wanted to understand more about man management, leadership, you know, how do you develop a football curriculum, the whole selection process... So I just wanted to be a student of all those particular things, and the best way to do that is actually just be one of the assistants. Every, you know, all the clubs laughed at me, and I thought, well, um, I'll just go and do it myself. So I, a little club I named Caramat, which is in between Hamilton and Warrnambool, took the punt on me at the age of 20, and um, um, and I took a good friend of mine as a sort of joint assistant coach and a joint coach, and it was a wonderful year. So, yeah, it was 90, 94, and... Um, yeah, we won the premiership. It was a Caramat's first premiership in 27 years. And, uh, yeah, I kicked two, yeah, over 200. I kicked my first 100 in 10 games <laughs> and my second 100 in nine games. Um, so the longer the season went, the better I got, Jack. Um, Dominated. Absolutely. Unbelievable. There's also a story about out there that you outrageously went nuts in the second half of a grand final where... I think you kicked like like five or six goals in the second half and got your team over the line by a point or something. Is that right? It was eight goals, Jack. <laughs> um, yeah, no, when I was coaching Croy, we um, Croy was a chronic underperformer for thirty years, and um, uh, yeah, the short stories. We got to two thousand. I took over in ninety nine. We played off in two thousand. Played off in two thousand one. Got beaten in both years. First time the club had won, I've made the finals consecutive years for like 20 odd years. And you know, 2003, we were raging favourites, and um, we were 49 points down at half time. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just the tide turned, and um, we got some momentum, and I was fortunate enough to kick eight in the second half. And uh, we won by seven points. It was the first premiership for Croydon in 30 years, so it was a yeah, it was a special day, and it's just wonderful for the people of Karoi. Just great people, loyal, uh, good fun, hardworking. Just didn't know how to win, and um, and look, more pleasingly, I mean that was a very special day, obviously for me and my family and the community more broadly. But 
Um, the club's won something like 12 or 13 premierships since, so it's just gone on to be a powerhouse in that competition, which is which I never get more pleasure out of given where we started. Yeah, and we've we've, we've been you and I in footy trips or you know pre-season trips to uh, Cruet, and it's a great little town. I'm, I long to actually get back to it because um, the bacon and egg uh, rolls in the morning were just sensational. Yeah. Well, I think they're, they're still debating whether they should put a statue up of you down there, Jack, given the impact you had on the community when we were there for a couple of days. <laughs> that's, that's a story you're, for you're, a, you're for a later, mate. You've got, well, you've got the aura of a Ned Kelly sort of figure down there. Um, <laughs> but what happens on those trips, though? We'll leave it at that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I didn't throw up on those, <laughs> those drills that you made, you made us do, all those beach runs. Yeah, the sand dunes are great fun. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, but character buildings. It is, it is, and I'm, I'm a better man for it. Uh, so, <laughs> so what's um, so this Indigenous round? It's absolutely huge, and we know we love it, and it's gone over two weeks. So it's, um, it's you know, it gives the clubs um, two, two, two games of footy to wear their Indigenous mm. guernseys. Um, it just me, it just must make you and the rest um, of the football industry just so proud that. Um, this is uh, it's gone as good as it has been. I'm trying to get that out right. Yeah, well, as, I, as I was saying, it's. Um, I mean, if you talk to the clubs, the, the indigenous jerseys, jerseys are they're the highest selling jerseys. So it's incredible, incredibly profitable for AFL clubs this round. Um, so you know, in terms of business and a business model, it makes sense mm. to celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history and heritage. So commercially, the clubs do very well out of it. I heard Xavier Campbell speaking the other day on radio and um, you know, this will be the biggest um, revenue-making game for Essendon this year. Um, so the commercial stack up, and I think that's, you know, if you, if you sort of want to get into the spreadsheet, spreadsheet discussion, commercially it's a very significant round for the AFL and the respective clubs. But, you know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, in terms of just the celebration, you know, these conversations, I mean, where else do you guys talk about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, you know, contribution, except during this sort of round. And I know we talk about individual players, even at a local level, um, but it does give people permission to have these conversations. And, um, you know, and I think we're all the richer for it. All the, all the feedback I get is we are. And I think that's something we should all embrace and, you know, really, really celebrate. Yeah, we certainly we appreciate sure. your uh, honesty and uh, answers coming on today, mate. Appreciate it. No, no, pleasure, and um, it's just great to see Buddy Franklin back to near his best last week, and, you know, Shawnee Bergline, and well, you know, sort of go through, the, you go through the names, and um, just amazing contributors to the game. So, I want to get your thoughts then, Jase. Um, who has been the best Indigenous player that's played the game? In your, since, you know? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a good question. I, I mean, I don't go back to Polly Farmer and... I sort of I got Barry Cablett back into his career when he was at North Melbourne, um, but you know you talk to good judges, and I think judges who are just factual and they'd say farmers right in the mix. I mean, in my time, I guess the last thirty odd years, maybe thirty five, um, um, you know, you'd have to have good in that conversation. Um, Nicky Winmar was a bit biased because I played with Nicky and like what he could do in a bad team at St Kilda on a wet, muddy ground at Moorabbin was just miraculous, like unbelievable. Like if he played in today's game, he would he would be unstoppable, Winmar. Um, Franklin, you know, he's a once-in-a-generation player. 
the things he can do for his size is just remarkable. Um, you know, we see the small forwards. I mean, I don't know if you seen the goal that he bet oh. the other night, but he's, he's kicked 300 of those. Yeah, um, one hand. One, one hand, hand you know, it. just, just balled in touch his left hand um, in, you know, seven and a half seconds of play, and he's just kicked the goal from the boundary line, and Eddie Betts would be in the mix. I mean, just so many, aren't there? Peter McTeer at his prime at West Coast was unstoppable. You know, Bergwijn, Berg, Shorty Bergwijn's, uh, yeah, he has the consummate professional, the real pros pro, and um, so there would be some days, you know, Mickey O'Loughlin would be disappointed I left him out, but Badge would be in that conversation. So, then, yeah, I, I guess, you know, we could all go through the clubs and we'd all rattle off two or three and a uh, great conversation. But I'd have to say Franklin, Andy McLeod, um, and probably Winmar would be my three, I think, over the last 30 odd years. Well, it's just incredible that, you know, as you say, Burgoyne's about to you know, play game 400 and Buddy's about to get to 1,000 goals. Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah. just incredible yeah. time. Well, I think it's Buddy. Like, you know, we're all parochial about our players or our teams, but I think, you know, there are 750 AFL players. If you wanted to watch one player play at their best in the next four weeks, I reckon even you, Jack, would say, I'd watch Franklin instead of Petrarca. I reckon people just get drawn to Franklin for his athleticism, for his spunk, for his um, size, strength. You know, the things he can do, I think, is, as I said, is once in a generation. So um, that's where my that's what my instinct would say. The majority of us would just love to watch Franklin play his best for the next month, and we're happy to sort of um, you know put him in front of our own favourite players and our own favourite teams, but. Yeah, quite remarkable, 1,000 goals, you know, um, in today's footy when it's a bit of a slugfest at times, you know, six versus seven and that sort of stuff. I could watch you before I watch North at the moment. It's all right. <laughs> well, Jason's a bit more Well, well you know, young Taron Thomas yeah, he's looking is you know, well. emerging talent. Yep. Jason Kinn, they've got, they got some good Aboriginal boys there as well. And um, I'm bullish in a few yeah. years, for a few years, but uh, happy enough to sit back and watch Melbourne this year. Yeah. Jack, you would have seen their last flag, Jack. Uh, you? Uh, just a bit. I think I was a, nearly about oh, 24 years off. Yeah, oh, no, I thought you were. Well, 57. Yeah, I thought you were 58. No, 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 not that. I feel it. A bit older than you are. <laughs> and I feel it as well, mate. Hey, look, it's been great to catch up, buddy. Uh, really do enjoy your time uh, when we speak, and uh, no doubt we'll speak later on in the season. But uh, good luck with everything, mate. Keep up the good work, man. <laughs> you too. Thanks, Joe. It's a real pleasure. Jason Misford, the former Indigenous AFL Indigenous leader, and just a quite remarkable football person.